Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Revelation. We are currently in chapter 6 at verse 1. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 1 of chapter 6 in the book of Revelation, where John writes this. Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another. And a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. So we discover here in chapter 6 the um, beginning of Jesus breaking these seals. He is, he, has, um, he is the one and the only one that is qualified to do this particular uh, thing. And uh, there are uh, these things that are going on in heaven, in the unseen realms of things. Uh, there are these various creatures, these various angelic beings, these, these various uh, things that are happening uh, that uh, we don't see on earth. And perhaps they're all around us. Uh, we don't know. But, uh, but uh, in this particular case, uh, John is giving, uh, has been given this tour of the future. And he and he is witnessing the future of earth from the heavenly perspective and he has gone there and now Jesus has be, has begun this this formal declaration by opening these seven seals and that's what we have uh, currently uh, that uh, Jesus is in essence exercising the right 
of uh, a kinsman redeemer. That is, he is a relative of the human family being one of us uh, as a human being born on this earth uh, in the womb of a woman. And then uh, he is the uh, crucified Savior and the risen uh, Lord. And so that makes him the, the lamb that was slain. And he is the only one that is qualified to open these seals. And that's what we established in chapters four and five. So this is sort of an official kind of uh, beginning of uh, what uh, many people would popularly call the the tribulation. And um, and yet uh, there's not an announcement of that fact uh, one way or the, uh, the other. We just have to compare Scripture with other Scriptures. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and get, get involved in the actual passage at hand, and uh, uh, you can uh, piece together some of the other things as we go along, uh, if you have not all ready. And uh, so it says in chapter 6, verse 1, that when the lamb broke one of the seals, he has, he has been uh, uh, brought forward on stage, if you want to call it that, uh, brought forward into the center of things. And now he has taken the, the scroll, this document that gives him the right to rule over the earth, the right to reclaim and retrieve the property that was lost by sin. And, um, and that doesn't mean he hasn't been sovereign all along. He has been uh, uh, a sovereign God in, in control of everything. But in regards to this particular transaction, this is something that needs to take place before the uh, the Lamb can reign as king over the earth and take the throne of the throne of David. And so this is what he begins. He, be, he uh, starts by opening these seven seals and these first First four seals are kind of core, sort of uh, uh, connected together because they have these certain creatures that uh, have uh, that are riding the horses, and each one of these horses have a different color, and each one of these. Uh, these um, uh, beings that are riding the horses, uh, they may be angelic beings, they may be uh, human in some form, we don't know, but uh, each one of them have certain uh, um, uh, elements that uh, they're carrying, and then, then they're given certain duties to do, to, uh, to carry out throughout the earth. And so that's what's going on here. And, and it's interesting also that these four um, uh, living creatures that were described earlier earlier in chapter four and five, uh, that these take part in this, at least take a, an oral instruction in the, in the sense that they give these commands. And when they give the commands, each one of these four living creatures use, use the term come, of course, but it's not, it's not directed at John necessarily. Um, you might take it that way. I don't know. Um, but uh, it, it does seem as though that he's, he's actually addressing the horse and its rider. Uh, and instructing them to come and then to go uh, to uh, to the rest of the earth. And that may be uh, uh, this formal sort of orchestration of these unseen things, these dynamics that begin to take over 
on the earth in a very dramatic way. And you might say, as if as we go through these things, you say, well, we've always had uh, this kind of stuff uh, somewhere on the earth. But yes, and that's true. We've always had them to whatever degree. And human beings have always faced these sort of difficulties uh, to whatever degree in various times of human history on earth. And yet, uh, there is something especially dramatic about this particular uh, set of events because they they begin to open up uh, what seems to be a global kind of thing, not just a here and there in uh, different nations or different places or different uh, geographic locations, but this is um, evidently a global kind of uh, orchestration that's going on, and it so it multiplies itself uh, in in ways that we cannot imagine even today. Even though you, we can imagine some of these things happening, but the fact that these are happening on a global scale is what is new and what is different. And so it says, uh, I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. But you see, What's interesting about this white horse is it is not to be confused with uh, with Jesus uh, return to the earth later. Uh, he rides a white horse, but that's about all, all that is in common with this particular white horse, and that is the color uh, of the steed. But uh, here, uh, uh, this uh, this person that's riding this white horse um, has a bow. Uh, what's interesting when Jesus returns later in uh, in the book of Revelation, he actually actually has a sword and um and uh, this uh, person has a crown, but Jesus has a full-blown uh, set of crowns, and those are royal crowns. Uh, uh, this fellow has a wreath that uh, uh, indicates a victor in the in the games or in the competition. And so what's interesting is he has a bow, but he doesn't have any arrows, uh, which uh, is uh, a little confusing or a little odd, you might say. And uh, he went out conquering and to conquer. It seems as though that this, this particular person and this white horse represents a certain movement in which... Uh, uh, nations begin to unify once again into some sort of a, a global kind of government. And um, that's exactly what goes on, conquering and to conquer. But it's it's not necessarily through the instruments of war right off the bat. It is through the instrument of perhaps of peacemaking or of just power structures. And, uh, and, and, and this becomes a, a global kind of thing. And um, that's what's going on here. Uh, this is not Jesus' return. This is not the gospel uh, conquering people's lives and conquering nations. This is something else. This is the beginning of something else as well. And so, and as we read through this, we get a, a, a picture of why that is. It says, when when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come, and another red horse. This means death. This means destruction in some ways. This means war in some ways, because this peace is only a temporary peace. It's not a permanent peace. It's not a lasting peace. It gives off all the aroma as if this new thing is happening, but there is no new thing because men's hearts are still spoiled 
spoiled with sin and uh, spoiled with selfishness and pride and arrogance and all sorts of things. And so these things are the things that lead to war. And uh, that's what happens. The second living creature uh, announces to for this uh, red horse to come out and he goes into the earth and to, to him it was granted to take peace from the earth. And there may be from time to time semblances of peace. There may be from time to time even outbreaks of war or wars. And in fact, uh, Jesus predicted in uh, in Matthew that there would be wars and rumors of wars, but that doesn't necessarily indicate all that much. Uh, the end is not yet, he says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6. But uh, here, this is something different. This seems to be uh, a, a great uh, kind of uh, conflict that's going on because peace is taken from the earth and men would slay one another. This is more than just war. This has to do with actual uh, violence. And this violence is a global violence. There is rebellion taking place. There is a, a rebellion that, that is violent and men will be killed because of this violence. And it says, I, and a great sword was given to him. So this also indicates this war that uh, has has started on the earth in the old, in, in the entire earth. Uh, and uh, so he says, uh, then I, he broke the third seal so that this is uh, something else that follows war, by the way. You could almost uh, uh, draw a line of consequence here between what happens with, with uh, this, this uh, false peace and then what happens with war breaking out in all sorts of ways that people were not prepared for. And because war breaks out all over the earth, then it also leads to famine and starvation. And that's what uh, chapter five, and that is verse five of chapter six, where it says, I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. These are not the uh, scales of justice. These are the scales of the marketplace uh, that weighs out how much uh, produce is worth. And we're going to get back to this uh, right after this short break. find here in the uh, third seal, uh, when it is broken by the lamb that was slain, um, Jesus opens this seal and it says that uh, this black horse appeal appears and he is carrying a pair of scales in his hand, but those scales are to measure uh, the worth and the value of uh, the produce. And um, now evidently this means a certain kind of famine, a certain level of um, uh, the lack of resources. And um, 
there's shortages, and uh, and evidently the shortages are there, and it raises the prices of uh, of food, of the produce, but uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, indicate a complete famine. It's just the uh, the, the uh, lack of resources have gotten uh, uh, very slim. That is, and uh, uh, the it says in, it's a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and uh, this normally would be enough that uh, someone would earn in one day uh, worth of uh, income to actually purchase uh, several meals involved in this, and yet... uh, and yet here, it seems to indicate that this is only one meal. You work an entire day, and you only can buy enough that can support uh, uh, you and your family for only one meal rather than for an entire day's worth of food. And that's exactly what's going on. And, and what's fascinating, too, it says, do not damage the oil and the wine. Now, this may be because uh, uh, this, uh, the, those who have wealth have, have the ability to produce uh, regardless of of what happens uh, to those who are poor, who have different uh, kinds of uh, grain farms and other things. Uh, but, um, but and that may be the case here. It also may be the case that it may, it's just uh, referring to a simple um, uh, uh, thing that uh, happens that, uh, that the, the, uh, the grain stalks and the grain roots, uh, those, that, uh, those plants that grow uh, those kinds of granary, uh, um, uh, those roots don't go very deep, whereas the 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 vineyards and the and and those that grow the uh, oil of the uh, olive oil and the trees and the vineyards that grow the the wine that those roots go deeper and it's harder to kill those and it's harder to uh, to eliminate that out of. Uh, out of production, so maybe that's what it's referring to. But these were these these. Uh, 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 the this this uh, shortage and uh, this complete lack of the supply of bread uh, uh, led to this kind of price range and uh, um, that's so fascinating we've we know what it's like to face some of these very things that are we're talking about here we know what it's like to face peace on the earth and to have a certain kind of of control over what is happening in the sense that there, the violence is depleted and wars uh, uh, do not cease, uh, that is, wars do not uh, happen very often. We know what that feels like to have this, uh, that kind of peace. And yet uh, that is very uh, sometimes... Uh, uh, just temporary. It's not uh, very lasting, and and we know what it's like to to see war and see decimation of uh, of uh, uh, people being killed by war, killed by violence, and um, uh, that is a brutal thing to watch or to know about even and. Uh, and we know what that's like. Uh, we know what it's like to experience uh, sometimes uh, a lack of uh, uh, the ability to either ship or buy or grow the right kind of crops in order to sustain humanity or in, in any particular uh, kind of place. And yet uh, here, this seems to be a global kind of step-by-step and stage-by-stage, uh, a progression of things th- that takes place on a on a global scale rather than just localized in in certain nations or certain localities or certain geographic uh, positions and so 
So uh, uh, this is what's going on, and guess what it leads to? The fourth horse is released, and that is uh, when the when this fourth seal is broken by the Lamb uh, who is standing, and the Lamb who is who was slain, uh, the Lamb that was resurrected from the dead. Uh, he is breaking these seals because he's the only one qualified to do this job. And he says, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come. I looked and behold, an ashen horse. This is a pale horse. This is a horse that, that's, uh, that's grayish green, perhaps, in color. And, uh, and that, that seems to be the term that is used here. Um, and he who sat on it, this person actually has a name, and it's personalized. Uh, this uh, the, He who sat on it has a name, and his name is Death. This is a black horse. Uh, by the way, the, the idea of horses um, uh, being a part of these supernatural kind of things that are happening in the unseen realms that might parallel uh, historical events in the seen uh, history uh, uh and events uh, that uh, that this kind of thing isn't is not unusual in the biblical story of things we find in Zechariah that Zechariah sees various colors of horses uh, and uh, almost the same kind of uh, colors in fact that we have here and uh, and yet uh, there is a little bit of a different uh, symbolism or a little bit different kind of image that's presented to Zechariah uh, because we have teams of horses of certain colors pulling um, a certain uh, um, uh, chariots and so uh, but it's interesting that that the same parallel exists in uh, Zechariah chapter 6 uh, because of the pairs of these um, these uh, horses that are pulling these chariots are, are quite the same as what the colors of these and so it says uh, the name of him is death and so that uh, that indicates there's going to be uh, a lot of death this is uncomfortable to talk about. It's uncomfortable even to try, try to describe or, or to feel. Uh, and yet we know what death feels like. We know what individual death looks like, uh, perhaps. And, and yet uh, when this begins to happen on a massive scale, uh, this is very, very shocking. And, uh, and yet it is a, a car, part of the, the um, progressive uh, sort of way in which these things come from each other uh, throughout all four of these first uh, four seals that are being broken, these first four announcements being made by these creatures, these first four horses and their colors and these first four riders and the equipment that is given to these riders uh, uh, all progress from one to the next in many regards. There are, they are the consequences of what has happened before. It says uh, that Hades was following with him. There is something about the grave and something about the, gra uh, the, the, uh, the idea of death. Both are connected together. These words are connected death and Hades. Hades refer to the place of, of death of the souls of men and women. And uh, death is, is the grave. That is where our bodies reside when uh, our life is taken from us. And so these things travel together. And
And uh, it's very interesting that that's why they're connected together in this passage. Death and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth. That is uh, very alarming. A fourth of the earth experiencing death is something that uh, is uh, quite dramatic. Um, Now, notice it says a fourth of the earth. It doesn't necessarily uh, indicate a fourth of the earth's population. A fourth of mankind uh, has uh, has died, but it does refer to a fourth of the earth's uh, um, atmosphere or the earth's uh, geography, you might say. Um, And and yet, (laughs) that is still uh, uh, an an alarming amount of death. And uh, uh, we have not seen that kind. We've seen a lot of death in uh, the history of human beings on earth, but this is going to be very, very dramatic and uh, very decimating uh, to the earthly population. And uh, and it, if it involves a fourth of the earth, uh, a round figure has, uh, somebody has calculated as, as being somewhere around 750 million people being impacted by this scourge of death, by the by the the the, the war, by the the famine and the shortages, and by death itself, and by the plagues that uh, might uh, come with all these other things, the diseases, the viruses that come with all these other things will also result in a massive amount of death and dying. And it says, and it's uh, it says authority over the fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine. Notice that these are the responsibilities of these other two. Um, horses. The the second horse and the third horse are now combined in the fourth horse. So so these things come together now and they are accumulating. That's the point that we're getting at. These things build on each other to such a degree that you never even get relief from the first set of things before something else happens and it progresses uh, to, uh, to a greater degree so that the sword is still there. Uh, armies are still marching. Wars are still being fought. Violence is still erupting in the streets. And there's shortages and there's famines and there's a loss of crops and a lot of a lot of other things going on on a global scale. With and now it's included with pestilence. That means diseases and viruses and and infections are now interrupting and killing people. And that's uh, that's what's going on. Um, with uh, and by wild beasts. So now we have wild beasts in the midst. Um, and we've always had wild beasts as a part of uh, the things we've had to uh, deal with. Uh, uh, civilized man has has encroached upon the habitats of, of wild beasts uh, sometimes uh, from time to time, sometimes uh, on a almost a permanent scale. And so we, uh, we find attacks from from uh, wild animals, uh, but here this this becomes a global thing, and uh, this this eruption of the of not just human violence, but of beastly violence, um, erupting in the death of 
of human beings on earth, wild beasts of the earth. Um, and this could mean and include not just the uh, lions and tigers and bears, but this could uh, also include uh, those beasts that might carry diseases and might carry these pestilences uh, themselves and spread them to the human family. And um, this is not a pretty picture. And yet we are told that we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Jesus even told us and warned us that these are merely the beginning of birth pangs and, and they will deliver you over to tribulation so that this is the tribulation here and, uh, and this is just the beginning. This isn't the end. This is the beginning of things and it is going to get worse. And yet uh, what, uh, what's fascinating is First Thess Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 says to believers that God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, in uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, as well as Luke chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus warned to say, uh, that is, uh, John the Baptist warned to say, flee from the wrath to come. And uh, that's where we go. We go to the lamb that was slain for us so that we can flee from the wrath of God that is coming to this earth. And he is our escape. He is our refuge. He is our strength and our salvation because he paid the price for our sins. And we can find him to be our rescuer. Thank you, Father, for your work. Thank you for that dark work even that you are going to set about not arbitrarily or capriciously but in a very methodical way that the one who died for our sins will be the one who begins to open these seals we pray father that our hearts can be right toward him who knew no sin that we can find him to be our righteousness in his name Amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendal Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.